it, it is a it is a work of God to open our hearts and minds up. Uh, we're, we're reading for more than information. We're reading for illumination and transformation. That's a work of God. Um, so two things are, are true at the same time. We have to put ourselves on the path. Like God has said, I will meet you here, here being in, in my word. And so we have to put ourselves on that path. We have to give ourselves to the word. But we can't make the magic happen. But God's spirit has to do that. So I would just say, man, come prayerfully to the word. God, I want to see you. I want to behold wondrous things from your law. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church, where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Well, good morning. What's up, Zach? How are you today? I'm good. Got Zach in the studio today uh, for another episode of The Chopping Block. We're going to be chewing on 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, kind of the last three verses of that introductory uh, paragraph. One long sentence in the Greek. I learned that as I studied. It's kind of crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows you how different languages are. But um, excited to dive in and, and chew on it for a few minutes. Um, and to get us kick-started, Zach, I mentioned um, just kind of fr- trying to frame up some context for what Peter's um, talking about in these verses. Um, he's really trying to show these believers in Asia Minor how fortunate they are mm. to be living um, in this age of fulfillment, um, that they are the ones who have had the gospel preached to them where all of these messianic prophecies um, have come together and that the mystery has been revealed um, in, in Jesus Christ. And the reason why he's trying to show them how fortunate they are is because they might, because they're suffering, because they're facing various trials, they might wish that they lived in a different time or place. Mm. And he wants them to know, no, man, you guys, you guys, are living in a day that the, the prophets longed for. They wish they could trade places with you and see um, what you see and know what you know. But thought it'd be fun uh, to kick our time off this morning um, to uh, just ask you, Zach, like if you could live in a different time or in a different place than Wichita, Kansas in the year 2023, where... And or when would you live? Mm. Well, I, one way I could answer this question is just because of music and the music that I love. I'm kind of an old soul with music. Um, so one thing that comes to mind is like mid-century, like 40s through the 60s, there was just so much. I don't know if I can choose a 30-year <laughs> period, but there was so much like transformation in American music. So it's like to be around at the same time that Johnny Cash is making albums and all the great jazz musicians are making their albums and they're 
playing in clubs in New York. And then there's even, and the, just even like, it's like C.S. Lewis was around and I could have mm. written C.S. Lewis a letter. <laughs> like, and just so many historical events that, um, looking back on now, I mean, most of them are probably rather terrifying things to witness, but nonetheless, just things that you learn about in, in school. Like I remember watching a documentary about MLK in Birmingham and the kids that like went out to Birmingham and just thinking like, like, Oh, if I was there, I would, I, I'd like to think I would have been out there. I, w I wish I could live in a time where I could be a part of something like that. Mm you know, something so courageous and, you know, right. So I've definitely had those fantasies. And then, um, even at, you know, like in the last several years realized, like we're definitely living through a time with just as many historical events, even just as many musical, like, uh, transformations and great writers living and all these things. So yeah, I've definitely had those, fantasies probably about that period just because so much of what i love in arts and culture has come out of that time very cool yeah i i've had some of the same uh same thoughts i think you realize real real quickly like um every age has its uh you know pluses and minuses and um it's easy to yeah I, you know to go like civil rights movement man i would hope that i would have been you know one of one of the people that stood up um, and and spoke up for for the rights of of black people and, and minorities and uh, it's easy to fantasize those things and those were hard times um, I you know I think if I could be honest with you I I don't know that I would want to live in a different age like modern medicine's a pretty remarkable yeah, thing right. <laughs> I feel pretty fortunate to live in the day in which we live um, there's so many amenities that were afforded um, that I'm I'm super grateful for, um, I spent a short, I mean, short term missions trip in, um, South Sudan, um, in I think 2011 and just fell in love with East Africa. And I think, um, I think it would be fun. Um, I think it'd be fun to live like in a place like Nairobi, Kenya, that may sound crazy, but, um, in another life, I think, uh, I think I would enjoy living living uh at least for for a period of time in a place like that yeah maybe teaching at a seminary over there or, um doing something like that that'd be mm -hmm. fun yeah those are fun things to fantasize about and then you you come to realize like well even that like we mentioned the civil rights movement and then it of course forces the question would i have really been which right. then forces the question like where am i Right. today right in terms of of justice and and righteousness that that the bible calls us to and um it can start as kind of a fun fantasy and then turn into like a really serious kind of like how should i live today yep no doubt no doubt and you know and and i think if if we're honest if we're doing an honest reflection because you know, some of the rhetoric that's even come along in recent years is like you start looking back at this golden age in the United States or mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try to avoid becoming too political this morning. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, there, there was no golden age. Um, there, there was no perfect time in America. There was no more moral time in America, if we're honest. 
um, every age is is filled with its its challenges and its mm-hmm. and its blessings and um, there's probably pros and cons to every every time period every age. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I do look back at my childhood and go, man, those were simpler times. And even like I look back at like early in ministry and think, man, it just a lot of that was probably my naivete. Like, like oh, man, it just felt like simpler times uh, in the early to mid 2000s life just feels more complicated but a lot of that's probably just maturity mm-hmm. um it's just yeah looking behind the the curtain uh a little bit more um but yeah it's a fun question uh we've probably all played that game um which is what i said in the sermon just that um i think we're all tempted to uh to wish at times that we lived in a different time or place. And what Peter's saying to these believers, and I think it's a word for us just today, is like, no, man, like, you guys are blessed. You're blessed to be in the position you're in, even in the trials that you're facing. Um, And God has us right where he wants us, and um, he has us here for a purpose and wants to show us things and um, so we can live. You know, kind of the the refrain that Peter's coming to in this section is just rejoice. Rejoice in what God has given you. Rejoice in what God is giving you when when Christ returns, and mm-hmm. and there's a call to to rejoice even in the present in, in times of hardship. So, um, the main kind of thrust of these verses, though, um, Zach is is Peter's trying to help these believers appreciate the gospel that they've received, and so kind of the the heart of what we looked at on Sunday was just the glory of the gospel. Um, and, and that really gives us a way of, of reading our Bibles and, and approaching the scriptures. And um, so I wanted to spend some time this morning, maybe just dialoguing with you about, cause I think this has been part of your story. I know that I've, as I've gotten to know you, Zach, like we've, we've talked a lot about uh, your journey and, um, you know, I think you're a person. So, so my second point on Sunday was to read the Bible with a curiosity, to read curiously, and I think you're a person who models that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I would love to just, you know, hear from you, like, what has been your um, your entry point for for kind of making that discovery of like how to read the Bible with a curiosity, to come at it with um, sort of a pen in hand or, um, just an investigative mind to go, man, there's, there's so much here to be mined out and, Mm -hmm. um, rabbit trails to be, to be chased. So I'd love to hear kind of, how did you get there, um, in your reading of scripture and, um, and what does that look like for you as you open your Bible up and and read? Yeah. Um, I think a major part of it, is that the Bible, you know, I kind of grew up with the, I think this is familiar to a lot of folks who grew up in, in sort of American evangelicalism, but this weird kind of over-familiarity with the Bible, like it's it permeates your entire life. And then kind of on the other side of that, a sort of spotty familiarity with the Bible. There's parts of it that are, um, that are, really opaque and just confusing and it's like ah we don't really worry about those parts you know I, I i grew up um hearing sermons basically from 
the epistles and, uh, you know, from the gospels as well, but like really the epistles are what evangelicals love to preach out of. Cause it's very, it's very instructive language. It's do this, don't do this, you know, or think about it this way. Don't think about it this way. And, um, even grew up with like, you know, a, a problem or a doubt people would have is like, Oh, is the God, of, cause the God of the new Testament is loving and, the God of the Old Testament is confusing and and seems kind of uh, tyrannical or, you know, um, so the Old Testament was this opaque, obscure, kind of scary thing that we didn't like. The, Psalm, ooh, the Psalms are good. You can draw from the Psalms a little bit, but everything else is a little freaky. And, you know, gen- the key passage is Genesis, but even Genesis gets pretty weird at times. And But um, I think just realizing that especially the old testament is is literature and it communicates in the way that literature communicates so um you know the bible's not a book of of you know instructions it's not a book of um sort of systematically laid out doctrines even though we can systematically draw doctrines from it that's not how it communicates it communicates through poetry and narrative mostly. Um, and then also law that's couched within that narrative and, and, um, you know, discourse philosophy is in there as well, but like over two thirds of it is telling you a story, um, or, or telling you ideas through metaphoric, poetic, um, sort of grand, beautiful language. And so just coming to appreciate it as literature and realizing that that's how, the Bible communicates. And so, you know, getting into old Testament stories from the perspective, not of these people are heroes and like, uh, they're really awesome, good people that teach us how to be good people. You know, I grew up with more of a moralistic understanding of old Testament stories, but getting away from that and learning, like these are actually, it's sort of character studies that teach us about, about the human condition that teach us about what sin does to a person's life. Mm. Um, that teach us about what denying God's call to adventure to in Abraham's life. Like God calls him to adventure and he trusts God. You know, we know that he did trust God in many ways, but then, you know, probably 80% of the story is about him and his wife, not trusting God. And, the way that they harm each other and harm the people in their household and create an immense amount of suffering that then echoes through the generations. And when you read it as literature, I think it, it, and not only as literature, you know, we, we, we read it as God's inspired word, but um, when you kind of let the Bible speak for itself, I just found that I found so much more, um, you know, when you come to a weird story in the Bible, the way that I used to read it was like, oh, this is weird. Well, I probably just, I, I guess I just don't understand it. Uh, maybe someday I'll, I'll understand. You know, instead of thinking that way, actually following that thought of this is weird. Right. What is this story? Right. And then continue to follow that thought. Let it kind of, you know, like Psalm 1 says, chew on it, meditate on it, murmur it. Like, like walking out of a movie and being like, what was that about? What do you think that scene was about? You know, like just this way of, of engaging with scripture, of 
allowing those cur- like yes it is a weird story mm. it's supposed to be weird it's supposed to make you think about these things in a different way yep. and i think that that just being able to read it as like you would read any other book um which is a skill we have to learn too that's not necessarily always something that we naturally do but right like just learning to come to it and be like especially the narratives and poetry like what is there to be chewed on here rather than what is the moral instruction for my life that I need to obey? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's so good. Um, that this isn't, you know, maybe you've heard the acronym before, like the Bible is basic instructions before leaving. Uh-huh. Earth. You know, it's like, no, that's, that's not it at all. You know, um, this is a story being told. And because we believe it's divinely inspired instead of, kind of shirking back or even fearing what to do with some of those weird stories to go, why would God include this? He's, he's chosen to include this. He's not hiding from this. Um, so what's maybe going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, a, you know, feeling that freedom to press in there. Um, I think that's so super helpful. Um, for me, for me, um, Everything changed when I began to understand that this is one unfolding story of redemption that centers on Jesus. Um, That, to me, opened up a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Because those Old Testament stories weren't these isolated narratives of kind of Aesop's fables type of an approach. And then it you get to a weird one and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the moral lesson here? Um, but no, this is one interconnected story of a people that's ultimately culminating in the coming of Jesus and that God was calling his shot in different forms and ways the whole time. Um, that Jesus is the cipher that just kind of makes it all make sense. Mm-hmm. When, when that piece came together for me, it changed specifically the way that I read the Old Testament. Um, it's just like a whole new world was opened up to me. Yeah. And it made, it made sections, entire sections of scripture that used to just feel so, and they still, I mean, it's, it was a different time and place. So like, it still feels foreign many mm-hmm. times when I come to the text um, the more I read it, the more familiar I become with it. But, um, but it made it 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 made those texts come alive in a way that they did before. It's like there's somehow this is a part of this unfolding story that's coming, you know, headed toward Jesus, um, and there are these nuggets being, you know, placed in here by God um, in different ways um, to be unearthed along the way. Um, and it just made it fun. It's sort of like, you know, certain movie directors will put little Easter eggs in the in the story, kind of these hidden gems that those who are, you know, familiar uh, maybe with other stories that belong in that that universe or um, who are super familiar with with the backstory mm-hmm. um, can find and appreciate like hidden within the story. Yeah. Um, God's put all kinds of Easter eggs in the Old Testament um, 
that are pointing to Jesus. And it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's fun to read it when you start to see it that way. Mm-hmm. So we kind of covered, I kind of got the curiosity piece and you kind of got the Christocentric piece of the three points that you gave us. Um, so then, the, but the third point of, of reading confidently and coming to the scripture confidently, um, when you mentioned this on Sunday, something that came to mind for me is like, um, I, I'm kind of a nerd about anything I do. Like I'll, whether it's the Bible or Marvel movies or some random YouTube hole that I fall down about some, you know, music technology or some, uh, obscure thing like i i can just or like you know a few years ago it was van life like there were all these youtubers doing van life and then i just got obsessed for like two weeks and then never thought about it again but i have this personality where i can just get obsessed with things and get nerdy about things you and my older brother would be real good friends yeah (laughs) um and so with this reading confidently piece it's like there's also like i like lots of people lots of friends of mine come to mind who don't have that nerdy, like just get obsessed with things for their own sake. Um, kind of, uh, temperament. And so I think probably lots of people, even as we have this conversation, um, hear it and think, okay, yeah, but that's, that's not me. Like I, and, or, or hear it and think like, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I should be curious. I should be confident when I come to the Bible, but, when I actually come to the Bible and sit down and try to like, like disciplined, read it every day. Okay. I'm going to come to this. I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to try. And then they still come away with just being completely confounded and, and being, uh, just sort of bored. Like, you know, you talked Sunday about like, if you're bored with the Bible, um, then you're probably not reading it right or something along those lines right, that you right. mentioned on Sunday. And it's like, so, so then what do, what, what should someone do? How should they approach the Bible if they're like, okay, well, you know, I've been reading the Bible for a year every day and I'm still confounded yep. and I'm bored. Honestly, like, what do I do? Like, how do I mm. find meaning from this when I don't have that, like just nerdy, like willing to go down the rabbit hole. That's, that's not who I am. So how do I find value from, from the Bible? Yeah, that's such a great question because I, and I hope I didn't give off the wrong, um, air on Sunday. Like there are certainly days I read the Bible and it's like, I didn't feel anything, yeah. you know? Um, so what I, you know, you know, hear me clearly, like every day is not going to be this, amazing lose your mind moment of like, Oh my goodness. I just made this massive discovery. Uh, I just connected these dots that I'd never connected before. That's not, that's not, at least that's not my experience of reading the Bible. Um, so yeah, just a few, a few thoughts there. Um, one is, um, don't underestimate the significance of just plodding along. Um, God, by his spirit is doing more than you think he's doing mm. in the, in the consistency and the discipline of giving yourself to the reading of the word. Um, Stephen Dempster is this uh, old Testament theologian. and He would say the number one thing that I would tell you to do 
to make sense of the Bible is just to read it over and over and over, like keep reading it. Um, and so don't underestimate just the, the power of like giving yourself to it, even when you don't feel it, like keep reading it. Um, part of what I was trying to bring out is like the same spirit that inspired the word. If you're a believer indwells you. Mm. Um, and so there's a harmony there. Um, as you come to the word, like the spirit in you wants to reveal the, the word that he inspired Mm. to you. And so our confidence is not in our own wisdom or in our personality. Mm. Um, our confidence is in the spirit. Um, to do a work in us. Um, but right along with that, I would just encourage, I would encourage those who go, man, the word just feels dead to me or it just feels mundane. Um, maybe start that time with with prayer. I think dependent prayer of going, it, it, is, a, it is a work of God to open our hearts and minds up. Um, we're, we're reading for more than information. We're reading for illumination and transformation. That's a work of God. Um, so two things are, are true at the same time. We have to put ourselves on the path. Like God has said, I will meet you here, here being in, in my word. And so we have to put ourselves on that path. We have to give ourselves to the word. But we can't make the magic happen. Like God's spirit has to do that. Mm-hmm. So... I would just say, man, come prayerfully to the word. God, I want to see you. I want to behold wondrous things from your law. Like I, I I do want to have these moments where my heart flutters and I feel your presence and you open things up to me that I've never seen before. You say you'll do that. Would you do it? Would you show me, you know, and then, and then have the humility to go, I, I don't get to define that experience. Like, I don't yeah. get to define what that looks like. And it looks different at different times. At least it has in my life. Um, last thing I'll say is the more that you kind of give yourself to that sort of a reading, so the discipline of reading, um, reading for breadth and depth, like familiarizing yourself with the text, praying that God would meet you there. Over time, like, you begin to build a framework um, and as he reveals things to you, you discover more of the world of the Bible um, and things about God. And that that gives you a foundation that opens up new discoveries, that mm-hmm. opens you up to new discoveries. And so the longer you go, the more the more you, you have opportunity to, to discover new things. Yeah. Um, it's not all going to happen at once. Um, I said that was the last thing. One other thing, there are some amazing resources out there. Yeah. Um, that can really help with this. And so we should read confidently. If we have the spirit in the word, that's enough. But God's also given us like some incredible resources and tools, men yeah. and women who have devoted their lives um, to studying the word that we can read or listen to um, that can help us in this as yeah. well. So, Well, a piece of that that comes to mind too is like the biggest resource is just the church and the Christian community. I think something... Um, something that is different about how modern people read the Bible from most Christians throughout history is that modern people, we just expect that we're all, or most of us, the vast majority of us are going to be literate and going to read the Bible by ourselves, you know, and then, and then come to church on Sunday and hear it preached. But 
really were like, like Bible, we think of Bible reading as an individual thing when through m- most history, you know, like the early church, it was like they got together and they did communion and then they read the Bible for like an hour. Like they would just read it. They would just read an epistle or read a gospel or read from the Old Testament. And so the way Christians read the Bible is in community with other Christians. And that means like in a local church, but also means like in communion with Christians over the last 2000 years who have been reading it. Yep. And, um, no, that's so good. Like to read in the legacy and in the tradition of the saints throughout the age. But also, I mean, that's part of what we're trying to do in city groups is to go like, let's, you know, I mean, Paul says, like, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. That's what he's talking yeah. about, kind of the context that you laid out for yeah. us. Um, chew on it together with others. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great word to go. I mean, if you're struggling here, what if you read the Bible with, what if you pulled one or two other people in? Mm. You begin to read it together. So even if you're reading it on your own, get together regularly and just chew on it. Yeah. Hey, what insights was, was God giving you as you read? Mm. Um, did anything stand out? Um, and again, there's not going to be a golden nugget every day. Um, at least that, that hasn't been my experience, but those, they do come. And especially the more that you just read and read and read, yeah. read with a curiosity, read with an eye for Christ. Um, it'll begin to happen over time. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Zach, I, I do in, in particular, like, I think you model well. Uh, reading with curiosity um, so it's always fun for me to dialogue with you about a text or thanks to hear what the Lord's been teaching you so um, thanks for having this conversation with me thanks if you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card we'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you Thanks for listening.